Hello and welcome back to Getaway Day. As always, I am Mason, he is Gautham, and I am not in my house. Um, so if you're watching the video version, if the color looks a little washed out, all that, I apologize. Hotels don't have a whole lot of overhead lighting. Um, but yeah, no, we're here to talk about the trade deadline. And I'm realizing I did not change the title of the episode on the screen. Um, but the trade deadline. Everyone's always looking at greener pastures, trying to figure out how they can improve their team. Um, and uh, for both this season and the future. And it, the grass is always greener on the other side. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is the greener grass for all these teams, for all these individual players, um, and really just kind of try and dive pretty deep into all the happenings of the last couple of days. Uh, before we get into that, Gautham, is there anything that you uh, have been up to this week that you want to? My fingers hurt from my fingers hurt from uh, refreshing my Twitter uh, so many times yesterday. So uh, refreshing your X, my X. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. You still tweet on X, which I find interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, Rachel, the grass isn't dead in New York. They don't have grass. Uh, it's the concrete jungle for a reason. So, um, but yeah. So we're gonna we're not gonna beat around the bush here. We're just gonna get right into it. But uh, before we do, I do want to remind everybody that we're doing this new thing that I'm calling Secret Phrase, and throughout the episode. Either Gautham or I are going to say a secret phrase. Um, if you looked on our social media earlier today, you will have seen that there was a hint. And the hint was it is a Moneyball quote, um, a quote from the movie Moneyball. So if you hear the secret phrase, we're going to put out a tweet here tomorrow morning um, asking for anybody who heard the secret phrase. And up until the pod next week, um, you can go ahead and... Um, guess what the secret phrase is if you're right you'll go into a raffle that at the end of the month i will draw someone who will be a winner uh this first month we're going to do uh, a sealed pack of baseball cards a few baseball cards of your favorite team and a getaway day sticker so make sure to look out for the secret phrase um and make sure to let us know what that phrase is tomorrow on twitter facebook or instagram if i can figure out how to make a an image that'll look good for that so let's see. I think that is all of the housekeeping that needs done, right? I think so. All right. So this week in baseball, I think we've got a couple things we need to talk about before we do trades because there were two huge, huge things that happened this week. Uh, the first one happened last night. And that is Fromber Valdez of the Houston Astros on trade deadline day through a 93-pitch Maddox no-hitter against Cleveland. He was one walk shy of perfection and eliminated that base runner on a double play to end the inning. So he did face the minimum. It is the first no-hitter by a left-handed pitcher, or first complete no-hitter by a left-handed pitcher in Houston Astros history. Um, and so now Verlander. Christian Javier and Framber Valdez all have no hitters to their names. Um, and it just, this Houston team, 
I don't understand how they managed to do it, but they seem to have a, well, they do have a no hitter every year. It seems they've got what? 16 since 1962, whenever they became a team, which is the most majors in that time frame. It seems like, yeah, it's a lot of no hitters for, you know, such a short amount of time for a, a pretty new franchise, but yeah, Framber, he's just an awesome story. I feel like he was a guy that signed for $10,000 when he was 21 years old, which is extremely old for an international prospect. So he was basically just a guy that they signed that, you know, he might turn out into something. He's, he's literally the example of a lottery ticket turning into a diamond diamond in the rough. He's 29 years old now. And He's just absolutely killing it this year. And basically throughout his entire career, he's been just an incredible pitcher after 2019. Um, numbers are sparkling. And this year he's sixth in the major leagues and in innings pitched. So he's not like he's a workhorse too. Um, ground ball specialist. Uh, this year he struck out more batters than he has in the past. Um, so he's kind of evolving too. Um, I'm a big fan of Framber and he's kind of got a good, good personality too. So um happy to see him complete that no hitter against Cleveland. Yeah. <clears throat> Same. Now on the flip side of it, I, I mentioned how many no hitters that Houston has had since 1962. Well, can you tell me how many Cleveland has had since 1962? No hitters that they threw. Or not 1962, 1981. Let's just go to 81. Yeah, I do know the answer to this. have they thrown? Well, that's why I'm asking, so you can go ahead and answer it. Yeah, so the answer to that question is one in 1981. And they've been no hit themselves. they've been no hit? Five times. Yeah, and the five times they've been no hit is actually just in the last couple of years. It's not even all the way back to 81, is it? Uh, yeah, I, I feel like they've been fairly recent. I feel like there was a, a recent year where they got no hit they twice. No hit. Yeah, it was um, two years ago, I think, 2021, they were no hit twice. Yep. And it's just a it's a rough, rough time right now if you're the Guardians. Um, and this is a team that is contact-oriented, too. Like, that's the weird part. That is the weird like, part, would, yeah. You would think you would be able to squeeze out a hit. Just I mean, like, honestly, I don't think it's happen. I don't think it's super predictive. Like they're good teams to get no hit. It just happens sometimes. I mean, give credit to Frambert. Well, yeah, but, but this often though is kind of the weird part. It is weird, yeah. Like, yeah, Framber was absolutely dominating. Like he one hundred percent deserved that based on the way he was pitching. And there wasn't really a whole lot that anybody could do to stop him from from being that good. Um but still, it's like it, there's a there's a point where you're kind of thinking, how does this keep happening to the same team? <laughs> um, but the other big historic thing that happened this week is Shohei Otani exists. I think that's the easiest way to say it. Yeah, I'm just um, yawning over you. Just it was just a regular Thursday for Shohei, right? Yeah. It, it was the first time that Shohei had ever pitched into the ninth inning in the major leagues. He ended up throwing a nine inning, eight strikeout, one hitter, 
against Detroit. And then in the second game of that doubleheader, mind you, he went out and hit two home runs before coming out with uh, with cramps in both legs because it was so freaking hot. It was a hundred and something heat index in Detroit that day. And he just casually goes out for a day game, pitches a complete game, no or a complete game shutout one hitter, and then casually hits two more monster home runs. And then is immediately back in the lineup the next day to hit another home run before he had to leave again with the leg cramps. Yeah. And then was back in the lineup again the next day. Right. So this guy's just superhuman. And no, I'm absolutely not yawning. I'm just in awe every single day of what this guy's doing. And I'm so happy that the Angels are going to go ahead and try to win with him because it just, you got to like, you've got to take advantage of this once in a lifetime opportunity. I feel like. Yeah, 100%. And uh, we'll get into that here pretty quick, but they're definitely Perry Manassian has made a decision and Artie Moreno has made a decision and they are sticking with it. And that decision is they are going to try and win with Shohei period. Yeah. End of story. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. I do have a couple more notes I want to mention before we start talking about the actual deadline itself. Uh, first is we did unfortunately have a pretty big uh, injury week here. Um, Liam Hendricks went down with Tommy John today. Brendan Donovan is getting season-ending uh, soldier sur- or shoulder surgery. Um, Bo Bichette is down with... Uh, tendonitis in his knee after kind of a scary looking um scary looking play where he just kind of pulled up lame around him first jordan romano's on the il and this is all just went on the il today yeah with a hip something yeah so we're we're seeing a lot of injuries this week which is really not good to see ever but Especially right now, you just you really hate to see it. And with Hendricks just just coming back from um was it leukemia? What what's he is which kind of cancer? Non Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah. Yeah. So just coming back from that and then almost immediately going down with Tommy John, I think that's that's a big hit to an already struggling White Sox team and and just honestly something that you really, really feel for that guy right now. I hope he has one more last act when he comes back after this injury. It's going to be awesome to see him come back. Yeah, 100%. All right. So I think the next thing we want to do is we want to move on to a quick little game that I have created uh, specifically for Gotham. Um, But if we enjoy it, I actually have some ideas that can... um, make this a game that I think more people play. So we're going to play a game called Career Chaser. And what's going to happen is I'm going to give Gotham the name of a player. He has one minute to name as many teams that player has played for in his career as he possibly can. I'm going to do three rounds, an easy, an intermediate, and a hard round. Um, And when I say easy, I mean easy. I'm trying to explain how this works so i figured we'd go with one that i know he's going to get all the answers um if we enjoy it i think we can make some uh, some pretty good tiktoks out of this and make some challenges for other people as well um 
and I I have a scoring system, but I don't want to do the math with Gotham. So we're just going to try it out. Um, Gotham, are you ready? Do you have any questions? I'm so ready. Warm me up with this easy one that I supposedly know all the answers to. Okay. So the first player that I want you to name all of their career teams is recently traded. Cy Young, Max Scherzer. You have one minute. Go. Max Scherzer has played for the Diamondbacks, the Tigers, um, the uh, Washington Nationals, the New York Mets, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and now he will play for the Texas Rangers. That is correct. In 23 seconds, you have named all six teams. And I did mess up the order because I forgot about L.A. for a quick second there, but... Yeah, I wasn't necessarily going to ping you on, on order there. So if we were doing scoring, what would happen is this. Because Gautham got 100% of the teams, he would get 100 points and be, uh, for the percentage. And then because he got all the teams for the player, 10 bonus points. So right now through the easy round, Gautham has 110 points. So we are going to put another minute on the clock. We are going to intermediate mode. Is going to be significantly harder Uh-oh. than Max Scherzer. All right. I'm ready. So you need, and I'll even give you the number of teams if that helps. Okay. Um, Jeez, that's a lot. Seven teams. Seven teams, okay. So that's two more than Scherzer. Seven teams. David Robertson, go. All right. David Robertson has played for the Yankees. He's played for the Phillies. He's played for the Cubs. He's now played for the Marlins. I don't know if you're counting that. Uh, He's played for the Rays. Did I already say the Rays? Uh, He's played for... um, The Mets... Yep, that's six. And one more. Come on, you got this. Five seconds. Gosh, what is the last Just team? Take a guess. Just take uh, a guess. Blue Jays. That is incorrect. It is the Chicago White Sox for three oh, years. Oh, yes. The White Sox. I should have known that one. Yeah, he's played for both New York teams and both Chicago teams. And uh, now he's played for both uh, Florida, Florida teams. Yeah. Yep. If he goes to the Pirates, he'll have both of the Phil- or Philadelphia teams, too. Yeah. Um, real quick, I'll just figure out what your score would be. Uh so because you only got six of the seven, you will not get the 10 bonus points. Um, you got an 86%. So you are currently at 196 points total for the two rounds. So we have one more round. A lot of teams. And this, is, this is extreme mode. 13 teams. Which actually 13. might make it easier. 
<laughs> yeah, because you know who the player is based on that. Who's the player? Recently traded, not Cy Young. Uh, actually, let me make sure it wasn't a Cy Young just like 80,000 years ago. Because that'd be real awkward. No, he is not a Cy Young, even remotely. 13 teams, my gosh. 13 teams. What in the heck? Why is this freaking out? There we go. Uh, His name is Rich Hill. You have one minute. Go. Okay, Rich Hill has played for the Cubs. He's played for the Red Sox. He's played for the Orioles. Uh, He's played for Cleveland. He's played for the Dodgers and the Angels. Um, He's played for the Mets, uh, the Pirates. He's now been traded to the... uh, Padres. He's also played for the no. Dodgers. I, I think I already said the Dodgers, actually. Yeah, you uh, already said the Dodgers. Who am I missing here? Uh, he's played for the Rays. Uh, yes. He's played for the A's. Uh, yes. How I many teams am I missing? I'm at 11, yeah. So you've got two more. He's played for the... You have seven seconds. Oh, man, there's just not enough time. But, um... And that is time. Uh, the two teams you were missing, I believe, were the Minnesota Twins. And did you say the Cleveland Guardians? I did. I did. You did? Did you say the Yankees? I... Don't no, I didn't I don't say the Yankees. Think, I don't think you did. Yeah. So those were the two. It was the Yankees and the Twins were the only two that you were missing. So that gives you a final score of let's see, eleven divided by thirteen. So that's eighty-five percent. So you got eighty-five plus eighty. So oh, plus eighty-five plus one ten. I messed up. Eighty-five plus eighty-six plus one ten. 281 out of 330 possible points. You kind of killed it, dude. I told you you'd be good at it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the so, Rich Hill one, I've asked you that question like before. We've we've done that quiz before. I, I think we probably have, but I thought it would be a fun no, it was good. experience here. Yeah. So... Yeah, so if uh, if you enjoy that, I think we could probably bring that back for various uh, episodes here because there are obviously a lot of players to go through. So I almost gave you like an Edwin Jackson or an Octavio Dotel just to be mean, but I figured I wanted to go with guys who all got traded this year yeah. um, to bring us into our next topic, which is the trade deadline. Um, and this was. A pretty big deadline. I I wouldn't say this is quite as big as some of the previous ones last year with Juan Soto getting traded from the Nationals to the Padres. The year before with uh, Trey Turner and Max Scherzer being traded over to the Dodgers and a couple other big moves like that that were just like earth-shattering trades for a couple of teams. Um, this deadline wasn't quite the same as yeah. those. I don't think but it was – I wouldn't time. say big is the right word for it. I, I would say there were a lot of interesting deals that happened, but there just seemed to be less available players like we talked about last week. 
where there just wasn't the the supply of options that were going to get traded this deadline. And that's kind of how it played out. Yeah. And so it, it kind of makes it so that not every team can have a piece of the pie. A couple teams went big. A couple teams didn't do hardly anything at all. And there's some teams that were kind of in the middle. And But I, I kind of want to start by just asking you what the biggest biggest shock was for you this this uh, trade deadline i mean honestly there was no big shock for me there was not like a juan soto trade that was a shock to me because in the weeks and like even the days leading up to it i was like this can't happen and then it just like kind of like all of a sudden a, a switch flipped and it was like this is actually happening it's going to happen with the scherzer and verlander thing those were definitely the most surprising things that happened but then when you saw kind of the Mets direction and um, there's a lot to discuss with what the Mets did in this offseason, in this trade deadline. Yeah. And, and the Mets to me were the biggest shock and, and not because of them selling. It was the complete change in direction for the, for the club from pre or uh, preseason to now. And when Steve Cohen bought the team, I think he had said that he wanted to win a World Series in five, five three to years. five years, three to five years, uh, which this is year number three. Number four, 2024. Number five, 2025. All right. Well, they decided to go out before the season. They had Max Scherzer. They got him last year. Um, two years ago, last year, last year he was last year. They signed Justin Verlander this year, another huge, huge uh, former Cy Young pitcher to a massive contract, and they were just throwing money everywhere. Then all of a sudden, it went to about a week ago, talks of Scherzer might be available. Scherzer might be willing to waive his no-trade clause, and then he gets traded, and, and that to me was kind of a shock because they still have him for another year. Verlander, they still have for a year with a vesting option the next year. So that's potentially two more years of Verlander, one more year of Scherzer. They still have guys um, that can make this a really good team in Lindor, in um, uh, Pete Alonso, in um, some of these other pieces. They've got some good up-and-coming guys like Francisco Alvarez, you just and, ran out of names really fast when you're naming good Mets players, though. Oh yeah, I, well, because I was gonna say and like it, Tommy Pham, and it's like, eh. and, and I'll jump in here and just say that the Mets tried to do something. They tried to go like basically all in for this season, and it didn't really work out. Like they're not the worst team ever, but they clearly didn't meet their expectations for this season. And now they're, it appears they're going to be taking a different approach to team building. And that's what they showed in this trade deadline. And it appears so uh, because Max Scherzer uh, did not hold back when he discussed the conversation he had had with Billy Epler. He asked Billy if they were going to go and sign anybody this off season to build a world series contender for next year. Billy said, no, he said, we're looking at a 2025 to 2026 start to our window. 
which is three more years. 2025 is the end of that five-year run where Cohen said, this is where I'm going to get the first World Series for the Mets in my tenure. And they said it's more likely going to be 26. And it shows with all the prospects they got back. I mean, for um, just uh, Scherzer and Verlander, they got Luis Angel Acuna, Drew Gilbert, Ryan Clifford, um, who are now their number two, four, and six prospects in their organization. Two, four, and seven. Two, four, and seven, I think, in their organization. Then they go out and they trade Tommy Pham. They trade Dominic Leone, Mark Canna, David Robertson, and they add guys like Jeremiah Jackson, Ronald Hernandez, Justin Jarvis, Marco Vargas. All of those guys are now in the Mets' top 30. Yeah, they're, that's how you build a farm system, and they kind of need it. I mean, obviously, they had a yeah. couple, couple guys at the top of their system that have sort of graduated, like your uh, Vientos and your Beatty and your uh, Francisco Alvarez. Alvarez. They're, they're good prospects. But beyond that, it's not like a rich system at this point. And yeah, because they had, they had traded away guys like Pete Crow Armstrong and some of the other big prospects that they had to other teams to help build this team that they've got right now. And the Andres thing is, has- with the way they did it, is a lot different than what we've really seen. They basically bought these prospects. The players they got back in return are um, Acuna is a like mid top 100 prospect, like roughly ranked 50th uh, among prospects. He was, I believe, the the best like on paper prospect moved at this deadline. Is that correct? Yes, I think he was the number 41 in the top 100. And the only way it happened is because the Mets were willing to pay down so much of Scherzer's contract to get yeah, this kind um, of return. $36.6 million. And the crazy part about it is that it actually ends up saving the Mets money because they um, will essentially have to pay less tax money. And uh, it works out financially for the Mets, despite them paying just an incredible amount of money for Scherzer to not pitch for them. Yeah. And then they that $36.6 million does go towards the luxury tax threshold for next year. But paying luxury tax on $30.8 million is a heck of a lot better than paying it on $37. Yeah. Same goes with Verlander. They still owe Verlander $52.5 million over the, ne- or the rest of this year, 23, or sorry, the rest of this year, 24 and 25. If his, uh, if his, option vest which i think it did as part of the trade right no so the the option vest if he pitches 140 innings next year oh, okay but yeah if if he pitches 140 next year then they're gonna owe him 17 and a half million in 25 yeah to play for the astros and so they've got 90 million dollars that they are paying scherzer and verlander to go play in the al east or al west sorry al west which is a ridiculous amount of money Mm-hmm. But it gives but, them so much more flexibility to do other things. They can go build their team a different way. They're not reliant on very, very old pitchers. And yeah. they also, a lot of people were talking about how they're trading for really low-level prospects. I think they got like an 18-year-old in uh, in the Robertson deal. But just because they're so young does not mean that you can't turn around and flip them if you're in the situation that the Rangers and the Astros are in this year where you're buying all the 
ways that you can like improve your farm system can help you down the road. Not necessarily if they ever play for the Mets, but just like a team like the Rays is a perfect example. They don't have an issue trading their prospects because they have other prospects like that are always there. They always have a depth of, of prospects that are blocked by major leaguers or they have better prospects and they have no issue dealing from that depth. The Mets can't do that. They don't have any prospect depth at this point. Yeah. I don't know, but th- this entire situation for me was just shocking that it happened mid season and not in the off season. Cause it's like, this was a decision they could have made before the season, not signed Verlander. Uh, obviously they wouldn't have got these prospects if they hadn't traded him, but if there was an entirely different way they could have gone about it. And it almost feels like it would be more painful if I were a Mets fan right now to see a team that's sporting Lindor, uh, Pete Alonzo, Verlander, Scherzer, uh, other Mets player, Jeff McNeil, I guess. Oh, man. He's decent. <laughs> sure. Other Mets player. Yeah. No, but... <laughs> But didn't they do it right though? Didn't they like do the that. right thing? Like they Yes, but my point isn't necessarily that they didn't do the right thing. It's that this would be painful as a Mets fan to watch. Oh yeah. Last absolutely. Week, you had these superstars on your team. This week, you're kind of hoping they lose so that they potentially get a higher draft pick, which by the way, because the Mets went $40 million over the luxury tax, their first pick, if they don't get a lottery pick. Slides back ten. So, so have they? They have not come down under the Cohen threshold by these trades. Nope. No. Okay. So, um, so yeah, you're kind of hoping that the Mets lose as much as possible, so that they have a higher shot of getting a lottery ticket or a, a lottery pick, and not slide back to ten picks in the first round, and instead slide back ten picks in the second round. But yeah. we'll see. Uh, but there's some other teams that I think we need to talk about here. Um, what team would you say is the most improved at this deadline? Um, most improved is there's a couple contenders for me. I think the Rangers are probably the the team that like, like on paper. Did the most to improve, but I'm I'm gonna just pivot and pick the uh, Marlins because I think their situation is quite interesting. The Marlins, what they did this uh, trade deadline is go out and, and acquire power, and they did that with Jake Berger and with Josh Bell, and they also acquired David Robertson to shore up the back of their bullpen. And this is new for us because we never see the Marlins in a buy mode. They have all kinds of issues with their lineup over the last several years. And I've been just harping on the fact that they do not have any power in this lineup. And they go out and they get Jake Bauer or um, Jake Berger, sorry. Uh, And he, his power is basically, you know, unmatched by 99% of players in the league. And then they go get a guy like Josh Bell, who at least, is a huge upgrade for them 
uh, at first base over guys like Garrett Cooper and uh, Yuli Gurriel. So they're not the best team, but they actually did the most to improve their current standing because their offense was so subpar. You add two average to above average guys to it for the the remainder of the season and beyond because these are not just rental options. That's Jake Berger's a rookie this year. Yeah, so he's got five years like of eligibility left. And it's I don't know. I I love the moves by uh, Miami. The more and more I think about them, and I'm going to say that they were the most improved team. I don't think that's a popular opinion, but. Yeah, it's definitely not the the popular opinion, but I, I'm definitely right there with you because this is a team that in the past has gone out after like Avisayo Garcia, Jorge Soler, who is a power hitter, but it, he alone was not enough to keep this team afloat offensively. And I think uh, Jake Berger comes in as not an everyday player. Um, he plays a lot, but he's not an he everyday player. He plays every player. day. He's um, an everyday player. He well, he wasn't at the beginning of the year. I think is the main point. Um, so he hasn't played every game this season, but he still has 25 home runs to match Solaire's. So he's bringing in a ton of power for this Marlins team, um, and that's going to be huge uh, for the playoff push there. Because now the Mets are selling, so they're out. Um, they're not going to be competing for that wild card spot. You do still have the Phillies. So, and you've got a couple teams in like the NL Central and the, probably a second team in the West. So they need every bit of power they can get. Every run counts at this point because their pitching, their starting pitching is really good. But if they can hit even a little bit, if they can hit better than the, than the Brewers usually do, they're in good spot. Uh I actually am going to go with the Texas Rangers for the most improved. And and just because this is a team that has been so plagued by injuries uh, to Jacob deGrom, who's down with Tommy John again, uh, to um, Nate Evaldi, um, to uh, shoot. Who Corey Seager's at hurt right now again. Yeah. And so this is a, this is a team that is incredibly talented but is dealing with a lot of injuries and they decided to go for it. I mean, they're in first place right now, right? Yep. Just barely. So, so they're going to do everything they can to keep it and try and win a championship this year. So what did they do? They traded Luis on Helicuna for Max Scherzer. They traded John King to Koa Roby and Thomas Segesi to the Cardinals for Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton to help bolster both the rotation and the bullpen with Stratton. Um, they, a couple weeks ago, like a week and a half, two weeks ago, they went and got uh, a Roldis Chapman from the Royals. They traded for Austin Hedges from the Pirates to help with it, the catcher position. Uh, they got Luis Valdez from the Dodgers um, and it freed up a couple spots uh, by trading away a couple guys that weren't really going to be involved moving forward and Spencer Howard and Taylor Hearn um for some of these guys so i i think this is a team that really really helped fill the needs that they had uh by going out and getting some reliable guys maybe not the best pitchers around like in the case of jordan montgomery and chris stratton they're not the flashiest they're not the best but they're consistent and they're good 
Yeah, and I mean, exactly Jordan Montgomery is an upgrade over like range. the guys they already have in their rotation right now, like Martin Perez, Andrew Heaney. Like he's an upgrade over them. So it's not like they're just slotting in number five. They're actually upgrading who spots in the rotation, which is more than yes, I would say any other team did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so they're my pick for most improved. And it's pretty obvious why. And I think pretty much everybody's going to pick them. But I do really like the the pick for the Marlins there. Uh, my last question, then I'll let you ask a couple questions because I know you got some. What team confused you the most at this deadline? Um, I don't know if confused is the right word, but the team that, like... I, I get, yeah, I'm disappointed by what the Twins did, which was basically nothing. They flipped relievers. They flipped uh, Jorge Lopez to Miami for Dylan Floro. I do not believe they made another move uh, that was they meaningful. Those and the they are sitting in first place in their division here. And they're content to just go with the team they have. And I, I get it. I get why they're doing that because we talk about Cleveland they basically pulled a sell. They pulled sell moves when they're also right there, um, right by the, the half game out. Yeah, so it's like neither team really feels so great about their teams that they want to push their chips in for this season. They're just kind of content to ride it out and hope they get hot for a week here and push ahead of their competitor. It's kind of just, it's not fun. Like it's not. It's not exciting, and it doesn't give me confidence that those teams are even super invested in their seasons this year. Like they, they're not making moves. It's like you don't they're necessarily have to, to make a move, but if you're a team that has so many clear needs, like they needed a right-handed hitter for their lineup, they had too many left-handed hitters to choose from. They could have moved from that surplus and added a right-handed hitter or added a bullpen arm or something like there's some incremental move. The twins could have made to improve their chances to win this division. That's right there for the taking. And they did not do that. And that's just majorly disappointing. Yeah. And for the exact same reasons, I'm kind of confused and frustrated along with, I think every other fan by the Yankees. Like they did the exact same thing as the Twins, except their two moves were getting Ken, uh, Keenan Middleton for Juan Carella uh, and then getting Spencer Howard for cash from the Rangers. That's it. In the last month, those are the only two trades that they have made. And the reason that it's confusing is because this is not a good team. It's not a bad team, but it's not a good team. They're in last place in their division. So are are you going to try and compete? Are you hoping that Aaron Judge comes back and it spurs the team to go on a run? If so, it probably would have been a good idea to, I don't know, go out and get a left-handed hitter to take advantage of the short porch, to go out and get a starting pitcher, or to try and get a starting pitcher, to um, hopefully get Sevy out of there and let him figure out what's going on or to replace Domingo Herman, who has now been placed on the restricted list for the rest of the year, or go out and get some bullpen help or 
get another catcher because Jose Trevino is out for the year. Or There's so many things that the Yankees need. This is not a good Yankees team. And they had some guys that if they really wanted to, they probably could have sold and maybe got some prospects or potentially started building for next year. And guys like Bader, who's a free agent at the end of the year. IKF is a free agent at the end of the year. Wandy Peralta is a free agent. So why are you just sitting on those guys and not going out and trying to improve the team to compete? You well, just completely stayed pat. I guess you you pointed out all the flaws and all the holes this team has right now. It doesn't even feel like a team that is competitive. So I can almost no. see the argument for not going out and buying. This is not a well, team. Yeah, but then why didn't you sell? Why didn't you sell the pieces that you had? Yeah, they probably should have. And uh, I think that's the bigger miss. And would Cashman have been ripped more if they had gone out and sold? Like technically, their buy move so. was hanging. I mean, the way they're trying to sell it, I'm not. I'm not advocating for this at all. But they're saying, hey. We didn't trade our guys, and that's our buy move. And it's kind of like poor logic to yeah, to make that poor logic. But it this team is stuck right now. They no moves that they were going to make in this this trade deadline were going to really push them towards being a contender. In my opinion, I think their their season is toast the way they're trending. Um, yeah, I agree. They should have yeah. uh, taken a stand and they should have sold off at least the pending free agents and made something yeah, which, out of it. Which I think pretty much anybody in, like the Rays would have loved to have a Harrison Bader for this playoff run. Some guy with, with some power, with some speed, great fielder. Yeah, he gets hurt. A fair amount, but he's been fairly healthy this year. I mean, more than usual. Wandy Peralta would be a good reliever for a lot of teams. IKF uh, would be beneficial from a depth standpoint uh, for a lot of teams, a defensive replacement for a lot of teams. Good bench guy. You could have got some pieces out of that. You're not going to get Luis Angel Acuna out of those guys. Like They weren't going to have the same type of sell as, as the Mets. But... Uh, like they could have gone and done what the Cardinals did. I mean, the Cardinals had a couple pending free agents that they moved all but one of them. And they didn't get any one prospect that was like incredibly, incredibly enticing to like the everyday fan. But they got a lot of guys, seven guys actually to their, um, or six guys to their top 30. Like they started rebuilding their system by just moving Jack Flaherty, Jordan Montgomery, Paul DeYoung, Jordan Hicks, like all guys that are kind of in the same realm as is Bader, IKF, and and um, Wandy Peralta. Like that's the deadline that I think the Yankees should have had. It's not the one I wanted for the Cardinals. It's the one that they needed to have and the one that they did have. And I think a lot of Yankees fans would have felt the same way. So I think. Cashman and Hal are I I don't know if they're worried that they're just gonna get this bad rep if they say we screwed up, this isn't gonna happen this year. 
let's put us in the best spot for next year or the year after that and go out and trade these guys. I don't know if they think that they're just going to like tick off all the fans by doing that, but it would have been the right move. Yeah. The the Yankees offseason upcoming is going to be quite interesting to see how they manage this roster and what, what kind of things they do. But I don't, I'm, I'm confused, I guess I'm on board. I don't know what's going on with the Yankees. Yeah. So confused. I was right when I named it confused and you said, I don't think confused is the right way to phrase it. Yeah, it is. Yankees. I'm confused. I don't know. Other, I think there was a lot of other interesting moves that happened in this trade deadline that were very rational for both sides. And I, there were no like, there were no trades on paper that felt egregious to me. They all seem like, oh, that makes sense for that team. Oh, and that makes sense for their trading partner. That's how I felt about yeah, most and, of the trade deadline. And to me, like the some of the the biggest example of that for me is the White Sox. Like the White Sox have been abysmal this year. I think that is the <laughs> nicest way to say it. Like this is, it was an incredibly talented team that just for some reason could not get it done as a, as a group. Individually, they had great pieces. And they kind of realized that maybe the way that they built this roster wasn't going to work. So they went out and they made an absolute ton of moves. So just a couple of them. The Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez to the Angels for Kai Bush and Edgar Carroll. Um, Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly go to the Dodgers. They get back Trace Thompson for the Major League roster. And then Nick Nostrini and Jordan uh, Jordan Leisure. Jake Berger goes to Miami. They get Jake Eater back, who's a really good prospect. Kendall Graben goes to the Astros. They get uh, Corey Lee, who is a great young catching prospect. Um, he's kind of struggled a little bit this year, but he's, I think he might benefit from a change of scenery going to the White Sox. And I think he's going to end up having the starting job next year. Um, and then they got a couple other guys to help fill the roster for this year. That's going to help bring the, the payroll down guys like Mike Myers, guys like Luis Patino, guys like Keen Wong. Um, but they did a really good job of building the top end of their their farm system there and setting themselves up for a quick re I don't, I don't know if rebuild is the right word because like that's, still that's another franchise. Still got Robert. Yeah. It's another franchise so, that seems kind of lost. Like they were supposed to be good this year. They maybe could be good next year in a really weak division, but also they need to like really consider what they're doing because the current path has not really worked, but I think they did a great job this trade deadline to to improve well, their system for the future. Like that's very important. Yes, and I will say it's a little unfortunate that it turned out this way for the White Sox because I full like full heartedly believe that they kind of screwed themselves by leaving Rick Hahn and Tony Larusa in charge of that franchise for most of the competitive window. Hey, it all like, it all it all starts from ownership, right? It all starts from Jerry yeah. Reinsdorf, and yep, it's a it's a franchise that's historically been quite terrible. 
throughout their history. So it's kind of like I mean, they've only made the they've only made the playoffs a handful of times in their history. It's about ten in their history. Yeah, and they're one of the oldest teams in the league. Yeah, but yeah, so it's just it's unacceptable how that franchise has been run. The fact that they had such a good core and such a promising core, and then had literally nothing to show for it and are now here and we're lauding them for some good moves that they've made by selling off the pieces that are becoming free agents and rebuilding the farm system. They just got out of a rebuild, like a long, painful rebuild. And they're kind of right back halfway to doing that again, not fully, but like halfway. And it's like, it's unfortunate. Yeah. I feel really bad for, pretty much any White Sox fan. There's, I'm sure there's one White Sox fan that I probably just don't like as a person. I don't feel bad for them. But everyone else, I feel bad for. Yeah. Be like, if you were a White Sox fan, I wouldn't really feel bad for you. Yeah, I'd be the one. I'm special. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, let's switch gears here and talk about two teams that I think are really intriguing in this trade deadline conversation kind of for different reasons, but also for a similar reason in that they're not, they weren't clear buyers or sellers kind of going into the last couple of weeks. And they've really sort of changed their fortunes with some good play. That's the Cubs and the Padres who are kind of lurking in the wild card race. They've got a lot of teams to jump to actually be in position. But if you look at, you know, the full body of work from this season, those are two teams you can easily make the case that they've sort of underperformed and now they're starting to turn things around. So I'll start with the Cubs because I've been watching all the Cubs games. I've been glued to their games recently and it's been literally years since I've been this interested in actually watching Cubs games because they've been playing great baseball. They had an eight game winning streak uh, right before the deadline and it seemed before that streak that they were just going to go and sell off Cody Bellinger and trade Marcus Stroman and trade off all their existing pieces like they had the last two seasons. Then they go on the streak and, you know, there's a lot of positive momentum going for the Cubs right now. And then they went out and they got Jamer Candelario, who I think it's pretty safe to say was, the best bat moved at the trade deadline. He has uh, over an 800 OPS on the season, plays really good defense at third base, and um, just like a quality ad for that lineup that's actually been performing really well over the last month, month and a half here. And um, what do you think the impact of that is on a club like the Cubs who got the vote of confidence from their management, from Jed Hoyer, from ownership, whatever it may be. And now they get like a, a big bat for their lineup. Like that's got to be a boost, right? So first of all, I want to correct one thing that you said. Uh, Jamer Candelario was not the biggest bat moved at the deadline. That would be PJ Higgins. Uh, yes. uh, who is back now up. back. <laughs> he is now back with his original team, the Chicago Cubs. Um, but no, that's that's a huge it, that's going to have a huge impact on this team. I mean, this is a team that has been it, honestly, I thought the roster construction at the beginning of the year was a little bit weird. 
Like if for a team that was going to try and go win the division, it's like, why are you bringing in all these kind of has been first baseman DHs, your Trey Mancini, your Eric Hosmer, your um, Edwin Rios, um, your like all those types of guys and not letting your Matt Mervis, your Christopher Morrell, your um, Christian, uh, Christian Hernandez, Nelson Velasquez. Which one's That's the Nelson Velasquez? He actually got traded out this this deadline. Yeah, which was the other thing that I was going to mention. Um, but like, it felt weird that they weren't going to let those guys come up and actually try and build like the next big three, like they had, or uh, I guess core four, like they had with with Willie and KB and Javi and and Riz. Um, and so they were kind of underperforming the whole year. Just their starting pitching was pretty darn good, at least for the first half of the rotation behind Justin Steele and uh, Marcus Stroman. And the bullpen hasn't been completely awful. So, uh, completely. I said completely. Yeah. Um, but so, with them going on this run and inspiring Jed Hoyer to go out and actually get Jamer to go and get Jose, uh, Jose Quas, um getting uh is Josh Robertson is he actually in the majors or is he no, a he uh he's in the minors at triple A. Okay. But yeah, but that kind of says, hey, we now have a direction. We believe in you guys. This is something we can do. It gives David Ross a little bit more of a firm lineup build, especially since they I mean Hosmer's been gone for a while, but they just um DFA'd uh Trey Mancini um as part of this and so it helps kind of build a solid we can run this out every day lineup that is going to be able to gel as a group for the next two months and as that happens i mean i wouldn't be surprised to see them go on a little bit longer of a run than they have been so i think that's the biggest thing is trusting your guys to play every day and not having this weird mismatched lineup of has-beens and prospects. And that's the have biggest you, thing for me. Have you heard of this team called the Tampa Bay Rays? Yeah, but the Cubs aren't the Tampa Bay Rays. Well, that's true. But, I mean, a lot of those things I agreed with, though, like those different roster construction things we were talking about at the beginning of the season, a lot of those things didn't work out. But there is a whole bunch of stuff that has gone right for the Cubs like bringing in Cody Bellinger, he's kind of returned to his MVP form. Breaking Mike Talkman, they're bringing in guys like that that have really contributed the progression of uh, Christopher Morrell. Nick Madrigal is apparently a capable third baseman, and he's finally hitting for the Cubs, which is shocking. That's that's just shocking to me. And, uh, yeah, so they're, they're definitely an interesting team, and from a pitching standpoint, I think they're way ahead of uh, a team like the Reds. So they could yeah. track them down yeah. in the division. It definitely hurts that Stroman has been not so great the last couple weeks. He's got had a couple blow-up starts in a row, and then now he's on the aisle for 15 days. So that's that's going to hurt. Well, so here's the thing about the Stroman thing. I think he's been actually pitching through that injury for a while here now. And that's the reason for his underperformance. He doesn't just go from 
being basically the best pitcher in the league to really bad overnight. Well, and I'm sure, but I it's, think it's not that, exactly. It sounds like no. it's kind of a, a short-term thing. He's going to get the cortisone shot and be back in about 15 days. So hopefully he comes back healthy. Yeah. Um, but on the other side, you were talking about the Padres, though. Yeah. And this is a team. So I I don't think that there is a world in which a team should just not make moves at the deadline. There is always something you can improve or something that if you're out, you can get value out of some of your guys and move them to other teams. But if there was one team that could have done that this year, and I would have said, all right, I get it. It would be the Padres. Really? Is it? Because this is a Padres team that was underperforming so badly in the first half that the natural regression to the mean is going to be a much improved, uh, much improved team, mostly on offense, because their pitching's been really solid. But they didn't sit on their haunches and just wait for things to happen, similar to the Yankees and, and the Twins. They went out and they got Rich Hill, they got G-Man Choi, they got Scott Barlow. Garrett Cooper, Ben Gamble. Like, they went out and tried to get pieces that are going to help improve their team even more. Rich Hill to come out and pitch some in- or some pretty solid innings to help get him through the end of the year with everyone healthy. Um, G-Man Choi, some power at DH, which is something that they've kind of struggled with this year. They first brought back too. Nelson Cruz. They've left it. What? I was going to say, yeah, first base has been like a dead spot in the Padres lineup this year bring in two first basemen, G-Man Choi and Garrett Cooper. They basically like have a new platoon there. And I don't, I guess I don't see why you've got a problem with the Padres going out and making moves. So like it's AJ Preller. He's going to. No, I I didn't have a problem with it. I just said, if they, if they didn't do it, I would have been okay. I see so many holes that they, that they've actually plugged. I think, they did a really good job with it. And they've yeah. added starting uh, depth, so, even though they necessarily didn't need it. Um, getting a guy like Rich Hill as your like fifth or sixth starter, that's not too bad. Yeah, I, I think you're just misunderstanding kind of what I was saying. Like, I'm glad they went out and made moves. I just think this is a team that would have naturally regressed to be a much better team than it was in the first half. And so I think... If they if Preller had come out and said, we trust in our guys, so we didn't make moves, that would have been the one time that I would have went, okay, I don't like it, but I see it. Okay. But he didn't do that. He's right. like, I trust our guys, but also, here, we'll do this. <laughs> Preller's a very proactive guy. He's not going to sit back and wait for regression to take its course. He's, he's a guy that's going to go out and do something about it and make it happen. There's like a ton more teams that we could talk about. I guess like, is there any other teams that we should definitely talk about that we didn't? Probably the Angels, right? Yeah, I was going to say the one that at the beginning I said we would come back to and we haven't yet. And that would be the Los Angeles Angels. And let me get all of their moves pulled up here because they made quite a few. Um, It's the Mariners. That's the Angels. Now, mind you, the Athletic has rated their trade deadline is a D grade. So they don't really like it. Don't, don't listen but, to Jim Bowden. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, I wasn't going to. Oh, this is Jim Bowden that wrote this? I didn't even yeah. look at the byline. No, that makes sense. So the Angels, with Otani, they had been shopping him for a little bit, trying to see what the offers were uh, were coming back for him, and didn't get anything that they were really liking. And the Angels went on a run, similar to the Cubs, where they just won a whole bunch of games in a week and got themselves right back into contention. And they decided, okay, we're keeping Otani. And to help try and get Otani and Trout to the postseason one time is a duo. In six years, they're going for their first time in the playoffs with those two. They decided that they were going to go out, trade for Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez from the White Sox. They got CJ Crone and Randall Gritchick from the uh, Rockies. They got Eduardo Escobar from the Mets. They got Mike Moustakis from the Rockies. They got Dominic Leone from the Mets. And so this is, they went out and they filled some rotation holes. They filled a lot of bullpen holes. Uh, they went and got a smattering of good or of decent veteran players to try and fill some uh, injuries that they've got um, to uh, third baseman Anthony Rendon, popping Eduardo Escobar. Uh, they haven't really had like a true first baseman. They've been playing Brenda Drury there a lot of the time, but he's been hurt some of the year and there's, they've just had some weird, weird things there. They, uh, demoted Jared Walsh and then eventually DFA'd him. So they bring in CJ Crone to man first base. You forgot about Trout Moose too. for a little bit. What? You forgot about Moose Dacus, who they brought in as well. Oh yeah. I was thinking he played second. Yeah, no, that makes that makes more sense than I forgot. But yeah, no, um, I think that's been their plan all along. Basically, whenever the injuries have popped up, they were ahead of the market too. When they went out and they got Escobar and Mustakas uh, days apart, just because every week counts for this Angel season, they can't just wait for the trade deadline. They had a hole and they immediately filled it, and then they continued to add on by adding a guy like Crone. So they basically brought in like three corner corner guys this year yeah and then Gritchick to help uh kind of shore up the outfield with with trout being injured right now is he going to come back and play in the field or is he going to be dh i don't know but well, taylor he Ward can't be dh i can Rizzo. tell you that well that's a good point so he's gonna have to play the field um but you've got taylor ward who's kind of regressed from his really good season a couple of years ago he got hit in the oh, face. Oh, yeah, he I forgot he for the season. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Yeah, so I guess that would explain why they went out and got Randall Gritchick, because they need someone in left field. Yeah. Um, so Hunter Renfro, they've got Mickey Moniak, who's been really pretty good. So they've now got four legitimate outfielders. They've got a whole bunch of legitimate corner uh, infielders. Um, really, the only holes that they weren't able to address was the middle infield whenever Neto gets hurt and they have to run out Velasquez. And then I don't even know who plays second, but I guess Velasquez usually? Uh, Renjifo. Oh, Renjifo. Yes, that makes sense. So the thing about the Angels situation that makes it so intriguing is that they basically sold out, you know, for this season they said screw the future you know we don't need these prospects like it's all about not, this year not that they had much of a future in the farm 
But they did trade some of their absolute top prospects that are remaining. They traded all of their best prospects that were remaining. So, they didn't have many, and they traded them all in Kai Bush and Edgar Caro and Mason Albright and Jake Madden. Um, I actually don't know who those guys are. Jeremiah Jackson was one of their top prospects. He got sent over to the Mets for Dominic Leone. Like, so so the, the, the point I'm getting at is um, usually when we see a team exhibit this kind of behavior where they like trade off all their best prospects, they're going all in. They're usually a really good team that has one of the highest probabilities of actually winning the World Series. The Angels are not that at all. They, if they have a, basically a perfect two months here, they're just going to squeak into the playoffs. <laughs> and they had an 11% chance to make the postseason on the day that they decided they were not going to trade Otani, which also just so happened to be his complete game shutout, one hitter. And um, yeah, so, yes. so it it's, was. <laughs> it's going to be like an absolutely wild ride for the Angels these next two months. And it may not pay off, but it's going to be fun to see how this plays out, I guess. Yeah. So I highly recommend watching as many Angels games as possible. I know sometimes that's going to be painful, but you should probably do it because this might be the very, very last time that we see the two greatest baseball players of our lifetimes. I'm pretty comfortable saying that, even though like we were still alive for Bonds and Maguire and Sosa. I think Trout's better than than all three of them. And then you got Otani on the same team for the last two months, maybe ever. This is this is baseball you should watch, even if it doesn't go the way that we want it to. Something just happened and you're not you're either happy about it or you're not happy about it. And I'm confused. I'm happy. Cubs hit a home run. Uh Morel just hit one off the off the wall. Okay. Let's see. Are there any other teams that we need to discuss? Um, I, I think we hit the big ones. Yeah. So there's definitely some other teams that made nice, smaller moves that, I mean, we can have, have absolutely talk about them, but I don't think they're so noteworthy. Well, maybe we should talk about the Dodgers just really quickly. Cause they made quite a few moves. And their kind of strategy was to take chances on guys that have not necessarily had good seasons. Actually, they've all pretty much all of them have had very bad 2023 seasons, but they all have extensive track records of being really good players. So they, they brought in Ahmed Rosario, uh, Lance Lynn, um, Joe, Joe Kelly. Kelly, and who's the uh, last one? Kike Hernandez. Kike Hernandez, fan favorite. Like the fans were absolutely going bonkers for Kike last night um, in his return to Dodger Stadium. So I don't know that the Dodgers seem to do moves like this all the time. They usually pay off for them. So Lance Lynn had a pretty decent start his first time out. Like the Dodgers well, need a lot of help though. What? His pitch mix was entirely different from what it was with the the White Sox. It was all fastball and curveball i think he went back to like his predominant fastball usage that he was using previously yeah and uh 
he still gave up three homers, so that's not really fixed. But he also got the most whiffs on a fastball out of any Dodger this year. And it was, was the A's he was facing, though. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah. I, I guess, like, I think the Dodgers had some serious holes that they haven't necessarily had in, in prior years. Like, their pitching, starting pitching is not nearly what it's been in years past. The offense still amazing, but that's just something to watch. I think it would be interesting to see if Lynn helps them at least get where they need to be. Yeah. All right. So I think if there's, if there's anything else that we think of, I'm sure we'll find a way to, to let you guys know our thoughts. We've been a lot more active on, on Twitter here the last week. Uh, so on X here the last week. So make sure if you're not already following us there, go and follow us on on X and Facebook uh, and Instagram, TikTok, whatever. Um, let us know if you've got any questions. If we didn't talk about your team, if you want to know our thoughts, just let us know on, on socials. I um, think that's pretty much all we have time for tonight. Uh, if you. Oh, oh shoot balls. You know what we didn't do? What? Neither one of us said the secret phrase. <laughs> Oops. We were having Oops. such good conversations, it didn't quite come up. Well, okay, here, let's let's do this. Just to see how many people actually listen to the very end. I'll yeah. straight up tell you the secret phrase. Uh, this was going to be whenever we talked about the Cleveland Guardians and the Twins... Was going to uh, say the twins were thinking, let them make mistakes. When your enemy's making mistakes, don't interrupt them. They're giving you an out. Just giving it to you. Take it. Say thank you. And that was going to be the secret phrase that we said there when we talked about the twins, but we totally forgot. So, You're the real MVP uh, if you listen like one hour, 10 minutes into the podcast. So thank you. Which is exactly why we're doing it now. It's a test. 100%. We didn't forget. That was planned. Um, but yeah, so thank you very much for hanging out with us tonight. Um, we will honor the secret phrase because, I mean, heck, the, the point is to, it isn't to make it difficult. So we'll post that tomorrow. Make sure to just give me a little portion of that so that we know that you were listening to it. And we will get you entered in that raffle. And we will do a bit better of a job working in our secret phrase to the conversation next week. Um, yeah, so until then, uh, we will see you later. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and YouTube to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Getaway Day Pod. If you enjoy card collecting, check out our sister YouTube channel at Getaway Day Cards. Mm-hmm.